You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Good morning. Uh, It's good to be with you as we conclude our series on Hollywood Jesus. Uh, At the beginning of our series, we talked about when Scripture meets script, decisions have to be made. When a director chooses to make a, a Jesus movie or the gospel on screen like Jesus of Nazareth, greatest story ever told, Passion of the Christ, the director has to make a choice of who plays Jesus, how to portray Jesus, uh, and which Jesus uh, to share. And we do the same. You don't have to be a movie director in order to make these decisions. We do this as well when we share our own faith. How do we share Christ? What stories from Jesus do we choose to share? Which stories from Jesus do we choose not to? Maybe some hit a little close to home or are full of great conviction and sometimes they are on the editor's cutting room floor. When scripture meets script, decisions have to be made. And then we talked about being imitators of Christ, like in the movie Godspell, where the disciples are like children and they're mimicking Jesus as Jesus tells these parables. Imitation is one of the first ways that we learn, but over time, what we have imitated becomes our own, be imitators of Christ. And if that's too tall an order, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. So if being an imitator of Christ is too tall an order for you, then imitate one who is imitating Christ. That's okay. At least that's what Paul calls us to do. Last week, instead of looking at movies that portray the gospel on film, Jesus of Nazareth, Or movies that portray a Jesus figure, like Godspell, Jesus Christ Superstar, Jesus of Montreal. Last week we looked at Christ figures instead of Jesus figures. So these movies don't tell the story of Jesus, but there is still a profound truth to be found within them. Like Disney's WALL-E, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Ratatouille, The Lion King. These stories that aren't Jesus movies they still have a savior figure within them. They are still Christ-centered movies, a profound lesson that we learned from them. As I said last week, sometimes these movies make an even greater impact than do a Sunday school lesson because the story that you hear is not nearly as powerful as the story that you overhear, right? That indirect story, that story that you hear by surprise, sometimes is even more effective because we're meeting Christ in an unexpected way. So today, we conclude Hollywood Jesus by talking about nothing. But don't leave. Our scripture lesson today comes from the letter to the Galatians, the second chapter, verse 20. It'll be on the screens, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's fun to immerse ourselves in these Christ-centered stories like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. We didn't even talk about Harry Potter uh, and that grand metaphor of love that goes throughout that series But sometimes these movies, as a metaphor for the Christian journey, makes the Christian journey seem unattainable. Because I will never be uh, a Jedi, (laughs) or a hobbit, or a wizard, 
right? Or if you want to put it in church speak, you know, sometimes we like to lift high the cross so high that we don't have to get up on it, right? Sometimes we like to exalt the Christian journey so much that it seems that being a Christian is unattainable or like you have to have no problems, uh, your spouse has to be attractive, your kids all make good grades, and then you can go to church with people like you. That's not how this works. So sometimes this metaphor falls apart when we use, like for example, when we talk about the force uh, in Star Wars. It's a fine metaphor for the power of the Holy Spirit, this force of light that, that unites all things together and holds all life together. But the problem is when we use this metaphor for the Christian journey and we take it too far, we seem to think that if I just pray hard enough, I'll be able to move rocks with my mind powers. Sometimes we elevate this journey so high that it seems that I, I can't be a Christian. I'll never be what they say I should be. When really the Christian journey should be putting one foot in front of the other, one step at a time in the right direction. Every journey starts with one step. We forget sometimes that Jesus called like tax collectors and zealots and fishermen and hotheads to follow him. And thank God Jesus calls us too. Moving on to Christian perfection, as John Wesley would put it, doesn't mean that we don't mess up or that we don't screw up. We never make a misstep. Real quick crash course, and as, as Methodists, you should be, you should, this should be your elevator speech, man, when talking about grace. As United Methodists, we should be good stewards of grace and be able to communicate it well. In the United Methodist teaching... Uh, It's all God's grace, but we see God's grace through three different lenses, right? We have prevenient grace, justifying grace, and sanctifying grace. Prevenient grace is that grace of God that moves toward us before we move toward God. God loves us and claims us even before we know who God is. God's prevenient grace. It goes before. And then there's justifying grace, which is the work of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus' life, suffering, death, and resurrection. You have been justified, so stop trying to justify yourself. Live as if you live in Christ. And then there's sanctifying grace, and John Wesley was wise enough to know that even after our baptisms, we still, like, screw up and do dumb stuff. Which is why we are in need of sanctifying grace, that power of the Holy Spirit that transforms who we are through the habits of the church. Sanctifying grace. Moving on to Christian perfection doesn't mean that we never screw up. What it means is, according to Wesley, sin loses its grip on us. In other words, Darth Vader could ask you every day to join the dark side, but you never will because you see it for what it is. Evil. Evil is nothing. But there's a footnote. Don't leave. Evil is nothing. Evil is nothing, and I've talked about this before. Evil is nothing in the sense that it cannot stand on its own. Evil needs our help in order to exist. Evil is like the number negative two. You can't ever have negative two of something. You can have two less than of something, but you can never hold negative two of something in your hand. So in that sense, evil is nothing. It needs our help to exist. Evil is like a shadow. 
Shadows exist. You can see them with your eyes. You can make them in your hands right now. You can see the shadow, but understand the shadow only exists when you block the light. Evil only exists when we get in the way of what God created to be good. So in that sense, evil is nothing. This nothingness of evil or sin, sin is the manifestation of evil, convinces us that we are powerless, that problems are too big, too expensive, or too complicated to solve. We seem to be convinced of... When Paul talks about sin, he says it makes me do the things I don't want to do and incapable of doing the things I want to do. And it's almost as if we're sitting in a jail cell, but the door is open, but we forget that it's open. We can't move out. Sin convinces us that we're powerless, the problems of the world are too big, they're too expensive, and there's nothing that we can do. Sin is a picture of what nothingness of evil looks like. So what do we do? What do we do with this nothingness that we find so pervasive in the world? Most of our sermon today is focused on only one movie, one of the best movies ever. It's called Cool Hand Luke, and it's the most Christ-centered movie I think that's out there. Uh, And Jesus is only mentioned in a song. Uh, uh, Paul Newman, it's funny, Carol Henry on Facebook, this is great, she goes to the 830 service, if you don't know Carol, you need to know Carol, she goes, preacher, I haven't really watched much of the Jesus movies you've been recommending, but I'll go and watch Paul Newman. Uh, (laughs) Paul Newman stars in Cool Hand Luke, uh, and I love it, he he sings a song uh, called Plastic Jesus, about halfway through the song, Um, um, oh, great, how does it start, Um, somebody help me. Um, I don't care if it rains or freezes as long as I have my plastic Jesus sitting on the dashboard of my car, right? Uh, cool Hand Luke is a story of Luke Jackson uh, who was arrested because in the beginning of the movie he's cutting off the tops of parking meters. Why? It doesn't say. <laughs> he just is. Uh, he's cutting off the, the, the tops of, of, of the parking meters. Uh, he, he gets arrested and he, and he goes to... Um, uh, this uh, the country uh, uh, prison where he gets to, if you, if, you, if you break the rules, what happens? You spend a night in the, yes, you spend a night in the box. You step out of line, you spend a night in the box. You don't put your fork away, you spend a night in the box. Now is the movie making sense? Is this uh, shaking the cobwebs off? Um, early in the movie, uh, he's fighting a guy named Dragline because in the prison, that's how you settle disputes, right? You put on, they literally, they give them boxing gloves and say, go work it out. So they're fighting. But Paul Newman gets the snot beat out of him uh, in this movie, but he keeps getting back up. And he keeps fighting him. He gets punched again and he falls over and he gets back up. Even to the point where people are saying, stay down, Luke, stay down. And he goes, well, you're just going to have to kill me. So he just keeps fighting until the point where Dragline gives up. He's like, stay down. But he keeps getting up. So Dragline, the guy who had the beef with Luke, stops fighting. And the men who were cheering him on at the beginning of it, they start turning around and they start walking away. And then there's this great scene where um, he is dared. Uh, they're doing a little competition to see who can eat uh, the most uh, hard-boiled eggs. And uh, one guy says, I can eat 15 eggs. Uh, I can eat 25. And then Luke, he's just playing a guitar. He goes, "Mm, I can eat 50 eggs. And then what's the line? No man can eat 50 eggs. (laughs) Right? 
And he eats 50 eggs in an hour. And there's this great scene at the end of this. He's laying on the table. He's, he's bloated and exhausted. He's laying on the table in cruciform after performing this miracle of sorts. And that's when he sings, I don't care if it rains or freezes as long as I have my plastic Jesus sitting on the dashboard of my car. Uh, I ain't, oh, it's, um, I ain't afraid, I ain't scary, long as I have the Virgin Mary. It's great. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a Jesus movie, and I had no idea. In the beginning, he's cutting off the tops of the parking meters. Or another way to see that is he's overturning the money-changing tables. He's fighting dragline, but he keeps getting up, which is what turn the other cheek looks like, because these stinking, filthy Christians keep getting back up. And we can't defeat him. What does he do? It'd be one thing to say, we shouldn't fight each other. Jesus wouldn't want us to fight each other. He gets in the ring and gets the tar beat out of him, but he keeps getting up. And what happens through that, they actually stop fighting. And they never fight again in the rest of the movie. They're actually turned off by it in that moment. So in a way, Luke wins. Luke wins. And of course, eating 50 eggs, it's this miracle. No man can do it, but he does. Lays on cruciform in the table. You should see this movie. It's fantastic. There's another um, scene. One of my favorite scenes is when Cool Hand Luke gets his name. Cool Hand Luke. They're playing... Po- All right, so we're going to watch this clip. Um, but they're drinking and smoking and gambling, right? So don't call the bishop on me. This is just a metaphor for learning about Jesus. Are we Okay. Good. This movie was made a long time ago. It's rated PG, for goodness sakes. My, how times have changed. So, just, and he also, um, what's the word for a hydroelectric power plant that usually stops water? They say that word in it too, so let's just all earmuffs if you need to. Okay, so what happens in this scene, uh, they're gambling, and, and, and Luke doesn't care about money. He just keeps raising the pot and raising the pot and raising the pot. Uh, and, and he wins the game, and he has absolutely nothing in his hand. And I love this. Dragline, who's kind of like the Apostle Peter, you know, big and kind of dumb, but like really on fire uh, for whoever's in charge. So Dragline, he goes, he, he beat you with nothing. He beat you with a handful of nothing, just like he came at me with nothing. And, of course, Luke says, what's the line? He opens a beer. With, it looks like a, a cross that he wears, but it's actually a bottle opener. He opens a beer and goes, well, sometimes nothing is a mighty cool hand. Let's take a look at this clip. This is great. Take a buck. A dollar? What? One time. All right, I'll call if I catch, I'm gonna burn you. I call. King three, you got a four. Queen deuce gets a five, and a pair of sevens gets a John, and the big ace gets slop in the face. Okay, you still do the talking. Cuter again. I call. Take a bite. Stop asking. What you got? Pair seven. I can see that motherhead. What you got in the hole? He ain't got nothing. Joan, raise his head off. Been bending his head since again. All right, then you just call her. I'll call. You got to see a gambler. 
Can you got it? I can't, I can't, I can't catch it. I'm safe then. Can't catch I vote. King four three. You got a nine. Nothing visible. Pair of sevens and a jack gets a six. Savannah, is you still a better man? Cuter. I'm beat down. Doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Kick, Kick a buck. Kick a buck. Kick a buck. Yard, I see a buck. Kick a buck. Kick a buck. Damn. Don't look at me, mother. <laughs> well, come on. What you gonna do? Play like a coconut? You got to call him, anyway. I know he's got a pair of kings. You don't have to stuff up my nose. Well, you still gotta call him anyway. But you gotta, you gotta look at him. The man's got kings. Get your tail out. Yeah. You wanna see him? Yeah. Right there. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Lights up, right? He beat you with nothing. Just like today when he kept coming back at me with nothing. Yeah, well, sometimes nothing can be a real cool hand. Mobo, go sit in here next to my boy. Sometimes nothing is a mighty cool hand. The story of Luke Jackson is a story about creating something out of nothing. It reminds us of God's first creative act, taking nothing and creating something out of it. He does it over and over and over again throughout the movie. Luke Jackson's story is about creating something out of nothing. Jesus came so that we might transform the nothingness or, or that which the world sees as nothing into something. Jesus transformed the nothingness of the tomb and offered us resurrection. Resurrection to us and all of creation. Nothing out of something, or uh, uh, something out of nothing. If there was a job description for Christians, it should be creating something out of what the world sees as nothing. That should be our job. And there's lots of ways to do that here. Building wheelchair ramps. Serving in vacation Bible school. I talked about drama camp on Facebook. I said drama camp was kind of like the creation story because on the first day of the week, we had nothing. (laughs) And then on the sixth day, after learning all the uh, choreography and and, and song lyrics and and, uh, lines and, and putting all the lights and sound to it, on the sixth day, we were able to revel in the glory of God's children. One of God's greatest gifts. Something out of nothing. There's another scene uh, near the end of the movie, um, and it's kind of like a Gethsemane moment for Luke. If you haven't caught on to the metaphor yet, one of the last scenes in the movie, Luke goes to a church, and he prays, and he asks, what would you have me do? What do I got to do now? And he hears nothing. He says, I understand. And then Dragline appears, who has been playing the role of Peter, so to speak, uh, until the end of the movie when he assumes the role of Judas. He enters at the end and all the cops are there. He brought the cops right to him. And Paul Newman looks at the sky and goes, that's your answer, old man. And then Luke looks out of the window 
And he says the iconic line, what we have here is failure to communicate. And then he dies. And they pack him up in the car, and instead of taking them taking him to the next available hospital, they drive him purposefully to the hospital that's an hour away. And there's a character, um, and you'll have to look at this part of, of the movie. Uh, I was brave enough to do drinking, smoking, uh, and gambling, uh, but seeing Luke get shot on screen in the sanctuary, you'll, you'll have to go check that part out uh, uh, on your own. But at the end, there's a character that represents the devil in the movie. He's got big sunglasses, those reflective sunglasses, always carrying a shotgun around, making sure that everybody's staying in line. At the end of the movie, Dragline attacks him because he's taken Luke away. And as the car drives away, his glasses are crushed under the wheel. And you see Luke smiling. Again, Luke has taken nothing and created something out of it. So let's take a look at this uh, Gethsemane moment uh, with Cool Hand Luke. You have to turn the lights down for this one. Hey, old man, you home tonight? Can you spare a minute? It's about time we had a little talk. I know I'm a pretty evil fella. Killed people in the war. I got drunk and chewed up municipal property and the like. I know I got no call to ask for much, but even so, you gotta admit you ain't dealt me no cards in a long time. Beginning to look like you got things fixed so I can't never win out. Inside, outside, all them rules and regulations and bosses. You made me like I am. And just where am I supposed to fit in? Oh, man, I got to tell you, I started out pretty strong and fast. But it's beginning to get to me. When does it end? What do you got in mind for me? What do I do now? On my knees, asking. Yeah, that's what I thought. I guess I'm pretty tough to deal with, huh? A hard case. Yeah. I guess I gotta find my own way.
that your answer, old man? I guess you're a hard case, too. Luke, you all right? So what do I got to do now, old man? I guess I'm just a hard case. And then Dragline comes in and he looks up at the heavens and goes, that's your answer, old man? Well, I guess you're a hard case, too. And then he loses his life uh, after... But we have, that's a, that's a line that Jesus, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but it sounds like something that Jesus would say over and over again to the disciples. What we have here is a failure to communicate. But there is a resurrection of sorts. At the very end of the movie, you see Dragline telling Luke's story. And then there's a montage of every time that Luke smiled throughout the entire movie. Kind of like when you're watching Jesus of Nazareth and you finally realize that the actor who plays Jesus doesn't blink in the entire movie, save one scene. When you see this end montage of them telling Luke's story, you you realize how often he has smiled throughout the entire movie. In other words, he never lost his joy. And that is something as Christians no one can ever take away from us is our connection to to Christ and the joy that we have in that relationship. So, I'll never be a Jedi. (laughs) I'll never be a hobbit or a wizard or a king. But I can be a Luke Jackson. I can make it my life's worth to create something out of nothing. I can make it my life's work to make sure that no one steals anyone's joy. I can make it my life's work to simply share Christ as best as I can do. I mean, after all, nothing is a pretty cool hand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, even when we feel like nothing, or think we have nothing, or we see nothingness in the world, give us the courage to create, to offer something, something that burns the darkness away, something that reveals your light. Help us to follow our calling, whether it's building wheelchair ramps or working with children or being a silver eagle and helping uh, the the beauty of our church uh, uh, continue. Give us the courage to always be creators. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.